Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, and it's a sunny Ontario after the unseasonal snow on Monday with episode number 16 of the Yacking Podcast, where we talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world, and the world is certainly changing today. As usual, we have another interesting guest, but first let me welcome my co-host, the beauty part of Beauty and the Beast, and she will introduce our guest. Over to you. How are you doing there, Kathleen? I'm well. Thank you very much, Peter. Hello and welcome, everyone. Great to have you with us. And thank you again for tuning in. And we do have a special guest with us today. His name is, I hope I get this right, Anthony Raymond Mahalski. And <laughs> Anthony, I'm going to push it over to you to, to just tell our viewers and our listeners um, exactly who you are and what you do. Well, thank you, Kathleen. And thank you, Peter. Um, my name is Anthony, and, and I'm a publisher. I own a company called Callisti Publishing, and I publish personal development books and inspirational books and, like I like to say, life-amplifying books. And so throughout the years, other than publishing books and, and before that being in sundry businesses, I also do some uh, publishing services. I do editing and, and design. And so there's always books. <laughs> That's really good. And uh, Anthony, a couple of our previous guests know you well, and, uh, Nancy Lou Henderson and Chuck Bartok, yes. and I think Lou McIntyre, who we had on uh, yeah. earlier, earlier this week, and we we're about to publish the, uh, his and Karen's video. Um, and they, they speak very highly of you. So when Nancy oh, said, Here, this is an interesting guy you should have on your show, we thought we better take her up on that. So. <laughs> Nancy's a sweetheart, and, and her book is doing, it's, it's really a heartfelt book. Oh, yeah. And or actually, series of books. Series of books. And and she's she's a real go getter, and, and and she's she's someone who exemplifies what can happen in the self publishing field and in the self publishing market, uh, when someone has an idea, has has a passion, and more importantly, has has a follow through, and you know she she follows Chuck Bartok's advice, who is a master marketer and a master businessman. And, and she's just, she's going gangbusters from, from what I understand. And, and yeah, she's, she's a very wonderful person. So Anthony, person. tell us what started you off as a book publisher? God, I, I, I have a joke, but I, I stopped myself from saying that joke. So I'll just say I've had a, a lifelong affair with books uh, from, from my earliest age. Uh, I was seldom without a book. Uh, from reading A. Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, to mm -hmm. at one point uh, I was interested in World War II. Of course, growing up in the 70s and 80s, those were mm -hmm. always, you know, fairly big topics. Uh, so I was, I was without a book. And then I, I, you know, matriculated, went to Penn State University. And I got out, I, I was in banking. And then I, I had a, a, another business totally different from books, uh, automotive uh, aftermarket automotive body parts and accessories. Ah, okay. And then I, I found a book, like I said, I've always been reading and around that time I was reading uh, personal development books as well. You name it. I read it, you know, especially in the nineties, all the big names from yeah. Napoleon Hill to the big guy, Tony Robbins at that time. And, uh, my business partner had a book on his shelf, a very old book, called The Master Key System mm -hmm. by this fellow named Charles F. Hanel. I read it. I liked it. He saw that I liked it so much that uh, he, he gifted it to me. 
And so later on down the road, you know, the business partnership was dissolved. I said, you know, I'm going to publish this book because I couldn't find my own copy. You know, looking at that time, there were a, a tons of bookstores at that time. There was everything from uh, Borders and Barnes and Noble to Walden Greens. Uh, so there were a lot, but I couldn't find that book, book anywhere. And I think this was slightly before Amazon. Mm -hmm. I think Amazon was found in, what, 97, 98? Yeah, in the late 90s, yeah. Yeah, so it was around that time, but still, the internet wasn't really happening. And actually because I wanted to publish this book was the reason I, I got a computer at that time. Now I was into computers in the eighties, Apple twos, yeah. uh, early Macintoshes. But when I went to college and came back, you know, I, I wasn't so, so in, into them so much. Uh, but when I decided to publish this book, I went and got a computer <laughs> and uh, learned as I went. And my first book was, really nothing more than a, than a glorified photocopy. I mean, I typeset the book and everything, but it was eight and a half by 11. If you've ever yeah. taken a college class <laughs> where the, the instructor gives the spiral bound. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And notes and uh, additional reading, supplementary readings. That was my book. And that's what I sold. That's what started it off. And just because of a plethora of serendipitous events, uh, and a, and a really, really amateur web page, it somehow, like I said, just started selling very well. And then I published a real book then more real books and real authors. And now I'm in this mess that I am now. <laughs> wow, wonderful. I, I'm going to throw in a, a, a personal question and it's a fun one because I was reading your bio and you had the word that you're an aspiring flaneur. And I thought, yes. I, I thought I knew what the word meant, but I thought, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself. I better check on this. So I looked it up before we got talking and it says a flaneur is a lounger, a stroller, a loafer, an idle, <laughs> idle man about town. And it could also be a synonym for boulevardier. So I thought yes. the little bit I've read about you and heard about you and now talking to you, there's no way you could be a flaneur. You're far too energetic for that. So <laughs> how did you come up I, you with know, that word? I wish. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I've, there are a couple of people that I, I, I admire, I watch, but I, I, I like, maybe like everyone else, I like to sit around and just think. And sometimes the thinking is better than, you know, actually going out and doing and, and, People make that mistake of the idea being everything when you know and I know and, and Kathleen knows that it's the execution that's everything. Yep. You know, better to execute great on a pretty horrible idea than to have a great idea with horrible execution. Yep. Sure. Um, but I always took the word flaneur to be, I, yeah, it does have that connotation of, of, of a lounger or an idler, uh, you know, to be bone idle. Um, but I also take it just to mean someone who likes to just sit around, read books and think. And if, if I could get that in some way, and in some ways I have, um, then that'd be, that'd be fine with me. Good. I mean, I don't have to own the world. I just have to own a, a somewhat comfortable chair and <laughs> maybe, maybe a good audio system for some music and, and, and I'll be okay. Uh, and, and, a, and of course, and of course, 
shelves and shelves and shelves of books, books. as we can see good philosophy probably won't have a heart attack over to you Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) so anthony is there a difference between an author and a writer because i would Um, think we're all writers but you know that's that's i've worked mostly with authors well actually no now i'm working with well so mostly yes i mostly work with authors and very few writers and here's the difference. I think anyone, anyone can be an author. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyone could write a book or at least have a book written for them and then be considered the author. I mean, mm-hmm. that that girl from that horrible TV show, remember the Jersey Shore, there was that, that kooky, the girl that was on it, I don't know, but, but she has a you. book. <laughs> um, you know, everyone has a book. If you get relatively famous enough, you're going to have a book. It's just mm-hmm. part of the media package. It's part of the merchandising shelf. But very, very few people are writers. See, writers write. You know, anyone could be, like I said, anyone could be the author of a book, and that's great. And if, and if you're a, a, a business person, you might want to have a book, even have a book written for you, just so you can gain that authority, mm-hmm. uh, like we all like to say, and, and have that as part of your media package. Um, but very, very few people are writers. And, and writers are you know, people who write every day. Who They get up and they write. They improve their craft. They look at, at, at writing as both the skill and the art, and at times the science that it is. Mm. And, and that's the difference. So if you have an idea for a book, go for it. Run with it. Be an author. But hopefully you become a writer too. And, and hopefully you go and, and you read books with that critical eye so that you could discern good writing from bad writing or what makes, uh, you know, something like Ray Bradbury's four, Fahrenheit 451, right. a, a really brilliant book uh, because it's beautifully written. Uh, and, and some popular books, some, especially more of the modern books, they're, they're not written as well, but they sell big. Yeah, we we all know what they are. I won't disparage anyone's books. (laughs) For sure. It's interesting. Um, A friend of mine gave me a book uh, by G.K. Chesterton. It's a a series of short stories about Father Brown, which I'd never read, believe it or not. Uh, Yes, I I just finished that book, The Innocence of Father Brown. Yeah. Yes, fantastic book. I, I was constantly writing quotes from it just because, man, that guy has just a turn of phrase now and then. Doesn't he? fantastic but uh, yeah but that was written a long time ago and yet i I, ah the way his use of words is is so good compared to you know a lot of what we read nowadays and yes ah, interesting i really enjoyed reading that one yeah so picking up on something you just said uh, in response to what kathleen asked you Mm -hmm. how does one actually go about writing a book god i think it's first you have the idea of course and what everyone's technique is going to be different. And, and many uh, writers have written great books on writing from us. Uh, I think Stephen King has his book. Mm-hmm. What is it? I think it's on writing. Um, I, the aforementioned Ray Bradbury has uh, his book on writing. So a lot of books out there. I, I advise authors and writers um, and by the way, I specialize in nonfiction books. So this is okay. really specified for the nonfictions, although I'm certain it carries over for fiction writers as well. Uh, 
two and and fill in the blanks if you do that enough times and you have roman numeral one then the capital a then the number one then the you know uh little a underneath that before long you have a book mm -hmm. and it's just at that point fill in the blanks now even going before that it's important to, to have that but it's also important to know your market for whom are you writing the book i mean and and then when you start writing the book especially now nowadays when more when modern books are more personal they have that more personal tone um and sometimes that's good sometimes not so good mm -hmm. but that's fine your book doesn't have to be great <laughs> as, as just as we said earlier better have a, a a good book that you market and execute well than a than a great book that you don't yep but you know when when you know your market when you know how to talk to them and when you know where you're going with the book and and that outline as a guide it i'm not gonna say it writes itself but it's a, a strong 70 to 80 percent there because then after that, you go into the editing phase, which to me is the most important mm -hmm. part. Because when you're writing the book, I, I say just throw everything into it. Just about anything that comes to mind. Because then when you get to the editing, that's when you start taking away. Right. That's when you start removing things or adding things if need be. And then one of my favorite quotes, it's, it's unattributed as far as I know, but it's, it's a, the quote is, your garden is not complete until there's nothing left to take from it. Right. Meaning, you know, as you prune, as, as you take away, as, as then you're left with something. Uh, I know it's a Zen quote, so I know it's a, a very probably Japanese uh, idea. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that minimalist idea, where you you know, it's it's not what you add to it; it's what you take away. And of right. course, you know, Apple computers they exemplify that. They're, especially sure. when Steve Jobs was at the helm, he was famous for well. Okay, what can we take away from it so as not to clutter it? And um, that's important with books as well. Because that's one, one big mistake I've found that authors make, especially with nonfiction books, is that they like to, what I call, kitchen sink the thing. Meaning they put everything, everything in there. So they have this three, four hundred, five hundred page volume, and, and it's just everything in there. And, and yeah. it's like, you know, you, well, for one thing, it's too much. But another thing, they probably have a good enough material for a good, good three books in there. Right, and, right. And, and in many ways with, with, uh, with being an author, with getting into the book game, in some ways quantity does override quality. Um, I think it was James Baldwin who said, when he was asked, you know, what, what he was asked by an author, you know, what should my goal be? James Baldwin answered, a shelf full of books. Meaning you should be able, you should write so that you, you produce a shelf full of books. Right, right. Um, because the more hooks you have in the ocean, the more bites you're going to get. You're going to get more chances you have at longevity and maybe finding that, getting that great book. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was just wondering, are there different kinds of publishing? No, there are at, in this day and age, yes. We're all familiar with traditional publishing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's where, you, you yourself or through an agent you, you a publisher comes and publishes your work and they give you an advance and you earn royalties off that uh book and that's traditional publishing 
Um, the important thing about that, that every aspiring author, aspiring writer should know is that uh, it, it should never co cost you any money in a, in a traditional setting. And that it's a, it's a tough game, especially mm -hmm. nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, back in the, I'd say the golden age in the eighties and in the nineties, and even before then, you know, it, it was like nothing, you know, $100,000 advances, $50,000 advances for a first time author. Wow. And nowadays it's, and, and an unknown one, I, I should mm -hmm. specify, but nowadays perhaps not so much. Um, it's a trickier game. But with the advent of ebooks mm -hmm. and self-publishing, it, it really opened up uh, for a lot of, uh, opened up new doors for a lot of people, like Nancy Lou Henderson. Yeah. She's self-publishing. And, and it's a fantastic choice for her because her books are, I don't think that they would on their own be picked up by a publisher. Okay. And you can get into the reasons for that later on because it, it goes on just, you know, author platform. It's not on the necessarily the quality of the work. It's just, you know, at this point in time, there's no author platform. Um, it, it's a, a not easily definable market. Mm -hmm. Um, so for a publisher to come in and put money and time into it, it, it wouldn't pay. But for someone who's self-publishing, yeah, absolutely. And now she's doing it and there's a chance that she might get picked up by a publisher later sure. on down the road. Once she's Definitely got a track record, once she's got a track record. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so self-publishing is, is this wonderful avenue for a lot of people who don't mind setting themselves up as their own little business entity for lack of a better term mm -hmm. and either outsourcing everything from editing to cover design to some marketing or taking some of those jobs and doing it uh, on their lonesome. Um, but then somewhere in the middle, now there's two branches, there's vanity publishing, but there's also something called author subsidized publishing. Okay. Now vanity publishing is like, are these companies and, and you pay them a bunch of money and get a book. <laughs> now, whether or not they do any, any editing of it, that's, you know, sometimes a little extra, sometimes included with the package. Um, but those are, that's an option that's sometimes good for some business people they have a book or a pamphlet and, and they just want a, the book out there. They want that authority. And it's something where they're not necessarily uh, concerned with, uh, you know, cost per unit or anything. They just want some books have in the back of the room, use the books as a business card. Right. And it works for them. And likewise with that, there's author subsidized publishing where it's kind of where the, publisher and the author meet in the middle and they share the costs of producing this book. Mm -hmm. And usually with this, because with traditional publishing, you know, first time author, you're probably not, not going to get much of an advance and your royalties are going to be in about the 10 to 15% of net revenues range. Net revenue. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you have to sell a lot of books to make some money. Mm -hmm. um, now when it goes with author subsidized, you're going to see bigger, royalty rates and also probably fluctuating because until things are paid off and you know commitments are met you know it, it, people will make you know more money per unit um on, the, on a royalty basis so yeah there at this point in time there are 
a, a lot of ways to get your book out there. And more important, there's, there are a lot of ways to make money with it. Um, and that's a good thing. On the bad side is that there's a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> out, out there selling books and, and having great books. And, and it's, it's a market that's very strange. Um, so unless you're out there hustling and marketing uh, every day, it, it, it can get tricky. But yeah, it's, I, like good. I tell authors, if you just sell one book, if you put one book out there, it's, and it, it's an amazing feeling. It's, mm -hmm. it's really an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does an author necessarily need to have an agent? To get with a traditional publisher, more than likely. Oh. And there's there's a, a big reason for that is, you know, a, a lot of uh, traditional publishers, especially the big ones, mm -hmm. and they won't accept unsolicited manuscripts because they don't want to run the risk of either getting sued. Like if, if they publish a, a book that's similar in uh, any way whatsoever okay. to what to this uh, manuscript they received. Yeah. They, they don't want to run that risk. Um, also, they also don't want to be inundated. Sure. Um, you know, publishers before the advent of self publishing and, and all the things that we have now print on demand and everything, they, they really played the part of, of almost of a how could you say like a watchman at the gate mm -hmm. um you know they they, they, were, they were the arbiters of, of of taste and knowledge and, and in some ways agents do that with the publishers um although the the criteria have has has changed quite a bit um but so if you're looking to go to a big house you know random house hatchet or, or any of the big ones um yeah, chances are you're going to, going to need an agent. Um, the one rule of thumb is never pay an agent upfront money. And, and the good agents won't ask for upfront money. Um, and they won't charge to read your manuscript. You know, believe me, if, if you're good or if you have a, a manuscript or a good reference, a good referral, the agent will either accept you or find you. Um, but yes, for, for the big ones. For now, for a, a publishing company like my size, no, I, I don't need a, you don't need an agent to get through to me, <laughs> you know. And and for many of the smaller ones, you won't need an agent. Okay. And of course, with self-publishing, you won't. Yeah. So just to follow on from that, then, uh, mm -hmm. somebody has an idea for a book, but and they're mm -hmm. not sure about publishing, so they 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 need to run this by a publisher or an agent. Can would they go along with just an outline, or do they need to finish the manuscript before they approach the agent or publisher? Um, that's a, that's an interesting situation. I think it's going it's going to depend on what contacts that person has. Okay. Okay. Um, that's something where you know you, uh, the person, like let's say, they have an expertise in art, and yep. so they want they want some advanced money or something to either go to the Louvre and, and look at paintings or whatever. Um, you know, so that's something where they'll want. They want. They might want to explore that. Uh, again, that's going to depend on the person's level of expertise, their connections, and and things of that nature. Um, but I would give it a shot, absolutely. Who, whomever okay. the person is, because you know, knock, maybe they'll answer. Yeah. <laughs> Run the flagpole, see who salutes. Right. Uh, the worst thing anyone could say is no. Sure. Um, sure. The second sure. worst thing, and probably the better thing, is they'll say no 
but show you where you went wrong so you could improve in the future. Yes. And of course, but from a writer's point of view, that's better to be said, to be told, no, it's wrong, but go this way then than mm -hmm. months down the track and 400 pages written or something. And no, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, one of the great things about the internet is, is that it, it gives people a chance to uh, put up blogs, put some of their material online. Uh, there are sundry, and I don't know any offhand of, you know, web forums and, and websites where authors share their ideas and, and their manuscripts. Because mm -hmm. uh, one of the most important things any aspiring author or writer can do is just get qualified criticism on, on, on the work. Right. Um, you know, it's one thing, okay, you're going to give, give your book or your manuscript to your mom. Your mom's going to love it. Of course. Okay. You're going to give it to your friends. Now your friends are going to have one of two categories. You're going to be the ones who are just going to be afraid to, Hey, it's great. Good for you. But then you got the other one who's like, it's horrible, <laughs> you know, just out of the box. Um, but without that qualified criticism, they won't be able to tell you why. Why? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so when, when, when you have that, experience where people are reading it and you're getting that qualified criticism either from readers in your market or fellow authors people of that nature then it means something i mean if, if you know if you write the if you write a, a spy novel and, and people who are buyers of spy novels or romance novels or whatever and they don't like it well, if, if your market doesn't like it, then you have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, it, and that's very, very important uh, for, for everyone. For, and and it's, it's just like in business. Mm -hmm. You put the idea out there, see how many people are going to, are interested in it. And, and from that, you can see, okay, is this a good market? Do I want to do this or not? Right. Um, because a lot of times an, an agent or, or even a publisher is, isn't the best arbiter of, of that um, thing. I mean, look at, uh, you know, every author has their story. You know, they sent their manuscript to 20, 30, 40, 50. They newspapered their walls. They wallpapered <laughs> their walls with, with rejection letters. Rejection letters, yeah. And then they go and they sell a million copies, a billion copies. And yep. It, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the game. Um, but it, as, as you know, the quicker you can find that you have that, what they call that what product market fit, uh, the, the, in better stead you'll be. And especially to sure. do what you mentioned earlier, approach an agent and see if you can get some advanced funding or, you know, without writing the whole thing, <laughs> you know, Hey, and, and that happened with a lot of books. I think that one, that woman who wrote a 13, something but she, she wrote a book but it was basically a a, a, a what they call a listicle like an article mm -hmm. that's a big list yep. of like, like 13 things like not to do or something like that but it was such a popular article that she got approached by a publisher and said hey we, we should make this a book and, and and the book went and sold a lot of copies sold and, a lot of copies yeah so I'm, I'm curious um anthony mm -hmm. as a publisher what is it that you do for the authors that you work with okay Wow, a lot. <laughs> for, no, the first start off is, is we give it that critical eye. Mm. Okay, so uh, a good example, an author gave me a book 
And I said, you know, this is one of those kitchen sink things. <laughs> this is just too much. So we broke it up into two books and then had a third book that went along with it. And so out of that one book, he had a series of books. So we, we approach it with that critical eye. So we, any publisher should know the market. Mm-hmm. The next thing is that we give it the thorough editing. We make sure it has a good design mm-hmm. um, because an author should, and when it comes to self-publishing, you know, an author should never ever design their own book cover. I've, I've never seen a good author design book cover. <laughs> it's, they just, it, they're good writers. They, they don't get the design aspect of it, especially when it comes to book covers. Um, and yeah, you could get one for on Fiverr. You know, I've seen not horrible ones from Fiverr. Um, but it, once you start paying, you know, market prices for, for a, a very good book cover. And I've seen not very good ones for at market prices, but generally they're much better. Um, you, you see the difference and it, and it helps sell the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially nowadays when online, when all you're seeing is that little thumbnail, yep. you know, it, it better be designed well. So then the publisher after that should also help with uh, setting up the author's platform, helping with the marketing, Okay. Making sure it gets in on the distribution um, so that it's available, you know, if not everywhere, then most places. Most places. Um, then, of course, there are foreign rights and, and licensing of the rights. And generally, a publisher will take care of that um, and should take care of that. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Making sure all the, uh, hopefully making sure that, uh, you know, as as I say, all the I's are crossed and the T's are dotted. Dotted, Uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I know what you mean about the book cover. My one and only book, um, which I self-published and I had printed by a printer, and they had on their staff a graphic designer who who mm-hmm. I paid her to, and she she gave me two totally different um, ideas for book cover. So I then did a survey on LinkedIn and uh, got the preference, and there was an overwhelming preference for one off, and that's the one I went with. So um, there's no way I could have done that myself. It would have been a disaster. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's a different way of looking at things. And, and yeah. as I say, a great book cover. See, the problem is a lot of authors want to tell the story on the cover. On the cover. And mm-hmm. really a book cover, it, it like I say, it, it shouldn't be, it, it should show some decollage, but it shouldn't be a tramp. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. We're going to be running out of time in a moment, and I'm going to ask you to tell me in a second how people can contact you. A very quick one that's totally off the book subject, something in your bio that caught my eye, an evangelist for a Disneyland for car lovers. Just just ah. like one minute and tell, me about, tell us about our listeners about that. Okay, I, I, I like cars, and a, a car dealership that's local to me, Reiko Euro Spec, RaycoEuro.com, uh, if you're in the market for cars. Uh, they, the owner, I was just down there browsing, you know, killing some time and, and he approached me with an idea and I do their, I ended up doing their, being their evangelist, working on their website and doing their, uh, the you know, company newsletter. Right. And it's a fun little uh, dealership. So it's like, kind of like what, what they call them, a little side gig. Okay. And, and so I get to go and sit in, you know, Bentleys and Ferraris every now and then. Ah, and nice. You know what? It, they say, don't meet your heroes. 
and and believe me, don't sometimes just don't. <laughs> you know, I walked in one day and like there's a, a beautiful Ferrari, but it's like you know I know how much trouble they are. <laughs> that's 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 a nice side gig. And the um, what sort of writers authors would you like to contact you, and how can they contact you? No, I like as I I, I work primarily with personal development authors, with business people who want to have books, um, and with inspirational writers. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, likewise, I also work with just anyone who wants to you know, have their book edited and designed. And I'm, I'm setting up a, a, another imprint to handle books that aren't uh, personal development or inspirational. Okay. And... Uh, to, to deal with that. And, and I should have that up and running uh, in, in a couple of months. Uh, and, and so that's, that's going to be a, a big thing. And that's going to be something that's going to work more on the author subsidized model. Okay. And, but it's going to be a, a, a very wonderful situation. You know, Chuck Bart- Bartok uh, is, is going to be involved in one way or another. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Good. Uh, and good for authors. Um, and Callisti Publishing, I said, that's going to be uh, uh where like I said my expertise, which is personal development books, inspirational books, um, business books, and and so I for that I look for authors who are businessmen, uh, people who do speaking engagements, um, and and people who who really want to look at having I should say that that brand, that okay. author brand, that speaker brand, uh, um, and who either get it or are willing to learn to get it. <laughs> Great. And I, for our, our viewers will see the caption underneath um, the screen when they watch this on video, on YouTube, should I say. And uh, so it's callistipublishing.com. Absolutely. Um, that are a, a very easy one that I just bought. I'm very proud of it is anthonyraymond.com. Oh, very good. I'll put that on. Very well. easy to remember. And, uh, that's yes. great <laughs> because my problem with Callisti is just that yeah nobody knows how to pronounce it and it's tough to spell <laughs> and, and and that's another story which we'll we'll get you back to tell that story another Please, time absolutely it we're running out of time so you know thank you very much Anthony for coming oh, on our show you. thanks to all our listeners that's the end of another episode of the yakking podcast and we will be back with more so thank you goodbye <laughs>